Welcome to the anointed and transformational teaching ministry of Pastor Walea Kinshiku, Senior Pastor of House of Praise Mississauga, Canada, a parish of the Redeemed Christian Church of God. It is our prayer that as you listen to this message, that you will be empowered to achieve your dreams and fulfill your destiny. God bless you as you listen. What is vision for a born again Christian? Now, I'm not talking about, I'm not talking about what vision is. You've learned that already. I should not be teaching you. I'm not even qualified to teach you what is vision. You've gone to leadership classes. You've gone to leadership schools. You've done master classes. You've done all manners of classes. You know what vision is. You've even written thesis. You've written uh, projects on what a vision is. So I'm not qualified to teach you. I'm just a pastor. But I can speak to you about what it means for a born-again Christian in the kingdom of God. This is what it means for a born-again Christian. It means a clear picture of a better future. Most importantly, that is inspired by the Spirit of God. For we all behold him as in the middle of the glory of the risen Lord. We have been transformed into the same image of glory. From glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 is what I'm quoting now. As by the Spirit of the Lord. I have not seen, he has not heard, neither has he entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 9 verse 10 says, But they are revealed to us by his Spirit. For his Spirit stretches all things, even the deep things of God. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So God reveals it to us by His Spirit. He gives us. So I will stand on my watch and I will watch, see, to see what He will say to me. And the Lord said to me, the Lord said to me. So it's inspired by God. It's inspired by God, by the Spirit of God, by the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. Okay? And there is a difference, wide gulf, between Holy Spirit-inspired vision and personal ambition. Friends, there is nothing wrong with ambition. You have to be ambitious. As a person in life, you must be ambitious. Without ambition in life, you will just accept and maintain the status quo. You won't even be able to maintain the status quo. You just accept the status quo. You must be ambitious. You must be ambitious. There's still so much land to conquer. The Bible says, arise. This is not your rest, for it's a polluted place. Micah chapter 2 verse 10. You must arise. There is much more land to conquer. You must be ambitious in life. Okay? But we must balance our ambition with submission. I'm going to talk about that maybe next week. Okay? Personal ambition, however, is this. Personal ambition, please write it down if you're writing. Personal ambition is the pursuit, any pursuit that does not consider God or the interest of the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. Personal ambition is the pursuit that does not consider God nor the interest of his kingdom. This is what personal ambition is. It doesn't consider God, nor does it consider the interest of the kingdom of God. Personal ambition is a pursuit that helps you fulfill your personal dreams even if you disobey the scriptures. Okay, you have a personal dream, you want to fulfill it. As far as you're concerned, the end justifies the means. So even if you have to break certain, certain parts of scripture, you, you go ahead and do it. 
Since we, talk, we, we prayed concerning singles this morning, can I say one or two about singles, particularly Christian singles, Christian singles, now ladies, ladies. I've been a pastor now for a few days, coming to 22 years now. I can tell you this, I've seen stuff that should not even be heard of in the house of God. I've seen Christian ladies decide to marry an unbeliever, Yes, I have not, they know he's an unbeliever and they decide I'm still going to marry him anyway. I remember a lady, this is over 15 years ago now, almost 20 years now. A lady came to me, I preached a sermon, as I finished preaching, the lady woke up to me and said, Pastor, can I sit for a few minutes? I said, oh, why not? Sure. And she said to me, that, Pastor, you know, this sermon you just preached now, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I said, what, what do you mean by that? She said, I'm going up with the guy now. The guy is not uh, born again. Okay, which means the guy is very far from the kingdom. Okay. She said, and um, we're scheduled to get married. I said, you are? I said, but you know, this is contrary to the scriptures. He said, yeah, pastor. Then she said something. She said, I said, so obviously you know that I, there's no, under no condition will the church be involved in that. You know that. We're going to be contradicting the word of God if we get involved in that. She said, yeah, Pastor, that's what I wanted to come and discuss with you. She said, Pastor, I will change him. She told me that. She told me that. She said, Pastor, he's a gentle guy. He said, Pastor, I will, I will change him. I said, you know, this guy is going to when you have a children, think about your children, think about this. These are the reasons why God is saying that. I told her. She said, Pastor, I will change him. I will change him. I said, okay, that's fine. I said, but I, I can get involved. The church cannot get involved in this and everything. True life story. She left the church. Obviously, she went to a church. <laughs> uh, here in the GTA, got the pastor of that church to do the wedding. True life story. The pastor of church, that church did the wedding. Remember, she said, I will change him. <laughs> she had the first child. She had a second child, and then uh, things happened. Things happened. One day I saw her in church. She just came to church. Oh, hi, how are you doing? Just how's oh, his family? Oh, my family is fine. You know, at that time she didn't want to say anything. Months later again I saw her. Oh, how are you doing? Oh, your children. I, I know the children, so I called the children by name. I said, oh, nice to see you. I greeted them. I said, oh, well, hi, it's your husband. Oh, I was about to need to see you for a minute. Oh, yeah. I said, I kicked him out. I will change him. Turn to, I kicked him out. He kicked, true life story. He kicked the guy. He said, Pastor, the guy is this, that, that, started complaining. I was looking at him. I couldn't believe it. It's the same person that told me, that sold the guy. I told the guy is nice. It's just that he's not a Christian. Now he said, I kicked him. The guy, the guy is this, is this, is that. He said, I kicked him out. I said, lo and behold, lo and behold. But that was not the whole story, but I don't want to <laughs> belabor you. You know, it's more convoluted than that. Friends, I've seen people, that, girls that are Christians, feel that, oh, pressure of age. Then they go and get, they meet a guy and they get pregnant for the guy. Sleep with the guy, get pregnant for the guy, because this is going to now hold the guy down. I'm, tell, I'm telling you the true story. They get pregnant, the wedding is done, 
do wedding. They give birth to the child. I even know of one that gave, I even called her when she wasn't coming to church. I called her, I spoke to her in the presence of her head of department. I said, what is wrong with you? Why are you like this? What's going on with you? She was not listening to anybody. The head of the parent sat, after I spoke to her, sat down. She sat down with her, spoke to her for what looked at hours. She did not relent. She got pregnant for the guy. Eventually then, you know, after one or two maybe uh, babies, then they say, oh, I've not gotten married to the guy or getting married to whoever. And, you know, and people think that, listen carefully, that a one-minute Short, pray, I've got to forgive me everything. Will suddenly launder their disobedience. I don't know why we as a church, I'm not talking of a local body in a house of praise, I'm talking of the body of Christ. Why we are destroying people's lives by not telling them the truth. How we pastors now measure our own success by the number of the crowd. And instead of measuring our success, by the lives that are transformed because we told them the truth do you still love me <laughs> i know you do i know you do i know you do just like your love language is what i don't understand <laughs> but, I, but, but, I, but i know i know you do I know you do. I know you do. I'm a man of faith. <laughs> we have to tell them the truth. You can't knowingly go and get pregnant for a person, go and import a pastor from online, get them to do the wedding for you, whatever pastor. Because they wear a collar does not mean God is pleased. And they do the whole thing, they put it together, and they say, oh, no, 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 and they say, whatever they say, by the authority compiled of me by God and by the gospel, I present to you, Mr. and Mrs. No, 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 God is angry. You know, the Bible says something concerning David. The Bible said, David, he had an affair with Bathsheba. He took Uriah, he killed Uriah. Then the Bible's commentary was very powerful. He said, and the thing that David did displeased the Lord. And you will have thought that was the end of it. It's almost like, in my own picture, it's almost like this thing that David did, God took it, put it in his back pocket, and waited for David. You saw Psalm 51, David repented. Absolutely he did. But let me say something to you. You don't want to go through what David went through. The level of sorrow that David saw. He saw four of his children die. Do you want to go through that? Because he said that himself. You know, that was the judgment he passed. He said, whoever has done this in my kingdom, I will take four of his sheep. So God said, what you have said is what will happen. You judge yourself. He saw four of his children die. He saw his own child push him out of the throne. He saw another, he saw one of his own sons rape one of his own daughters. All because of what? All because of what? All because of what? Because you want to get married, you go get pregnant for a man. As a Christian, please listen to me. Everything we're doing does not end here. For if in this life only we have hope, we have all made the most miserable. Whatever number of years we live here on earth, even if it's 1,000 years, it is nothing compared to eternity. 
And God says, Behold, I come, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to his work. Second Corinthians 5:10. Um, let's put it on the screen. It's not on my slide. I might as well speak about eternity. Can I preach? For we must all appear before the judgment seat of God. Everybody's going to appear there. Each one of us will receive the things done in this body according to what has been done, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Whether it's good or whether it's bad. Let's tell people the truth. So please, don't be under pressure to do the wrong thing. Can I hear an amen? amen. Thank you. I appreciate you. Don't be on a prayer to do the wrong thing. Don't pursue a dream and disobey God. Let me give you another example. Somebody said, well, Pastor, ah, Pastor, I have this vision. Ah, my heart is burning. God put it in my heart. It's my desire. I couldn't sleep. It's a burning. I just have it, this vision. You have a vision to do something, even if it's within the context of the kingdom of God. Listen carefully to me. Any vision that would divide your family is not from God. It's your personal ambition. Any vision that you think you have, that would, even if you say it's to plant a church, that would not separate your family. Your wife is in Dubai. You are in UK. Forget it. God that said what God has done together. Jesus Christ said this. Let nobody separate. Why would God now violate his own word by using his own church to separate you? I don't believe in the husband pastoring one church and the wife pastoring another church. I don't believe in it. It's not scriptural. It is the open door to adultery and fornication. If you agree with me, clap. If you don't agree with me, don't worry. I don't believe in it at all. I don't believe in it at all. Someone says, oh, pastor, you know, you pastor in the denomination, within the denomination, if they transfer you, so will your wife remain here? Why will she remain here? If they transfer me, hmm? Everybody, we're going. Like Moses said, nothing will be left. Myself, everybody, we're off. We're off. Straight. My wife will be sitting down there. Straight. Thank you, Jesus. Even if she travels, I'll take a picture. Put it on the seat. Thank you, Jesus. I'll be looking at it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. It's not on my slide. Don't worry. <laughs> but you, you, get, you, get, you get the point. These are all... All things that we have imported and put in the kingdom of God that has nothing to do with God. Somebody says, I have a vision. You, you go to one church, your wife goes to another church, your children go to other churches, the whole family goes to three churches because you have a vision. Friends, correct it. It's wrong. It's wrong. You and your family go to one church. Find one church. Find one pastor. You and your family. Set truly in that church. Don't spread your family in three churches because you have a vision. That's not a vision from God. Change your ways. Put your family in one church. I don't believe in husband and wife going to two different churches. So, so I, belong, I belong to house of prayer. I like house of prayer. I just like house of prayer. I got married. My husband still goes to that church. No. If you're a woman and you're house of prayer, you're a lady, you got married, you're house of prayer, your husband goes to another church. Follow your husband to that church. Don't stay in house of prayer. Follow your husband to the church. Follow your husband. And if you're here as a man, you get married, and your wife is in another place, what kind of man are you? What kind of man are you? What kind of man are you, for goodness sake? You, you and your wife cannot even agree on one church. What can you agree on?
<laughs> and I'm still on the second slide. But let's correct our ways. I hope you understand what I'm saying. Let's get it wrong. Let's get it right. Let's get it right. Let's correct our ways. Let's correct our ways. It's not right. Don't pursue what you think is of God and mess up your family. You divide your children to go to church A. Your wife goes to church C. You, you go to church D. All on the platform of, I want to pursue God's vision. No, check it. Check it. It's your personal ambition. Check it. That's not right. So let's look at an example. You see this now. You learn something now. Am I too hard on you? Very good, because I'm about to raise the volume. First Kings chapter 1, verse 5 to 7, 9 KJV. Adonijah is the personification in the Bible of personal, of personal ambition. Listen to me. Adonijah is a prince. He has every right. As at this point, Adonijah was the oldest son of David left. That was left. He, it was, you know, culturally speaking, his due to be king. And David, David was a great king, a wonderful prophet, an amazing psalmist, a wonderful priest, a, an awesome person. David was a lousy parent. Very lousy parent. David did not correct him. So Adonijah exalted himself and said, I will be king. You know, this is the limitation of confession, personal confession. I will be king. I will be king. You will not be king if God has not said you will be king. We only, confession means homologous. Homologous is to say the same thing, not to say your own thing. Confession is not saying your own thing. It is saying the same thing, homologous. So if you are saying your own thing, it's not homologous, it is heterologous. So that means you are saying something that is another. Homologous means to speak the same thing. Confession. You are speaking the same thing God has said. If God said you are a king, then you say it, then you become it. But you cannot become it by saying it when God has not said it. He said, I will become king. So he prepared chariots and horsemen and 50 men to run before him. Organization will not bring ordination. No matter how organized you are, it will never ordain you. So he prepared himself. He set everything apart. He asked 50 people. And his father had not rebuked him. What a lousy father. At any time. By saying, why have you done so? And the Bible now says, this guy is Instagram compatible. <laughs> no, but that's what the Bible says. Read it. He said, handsome. You think the Bible just put these words there? Don't forget, every word is inspired by the Holy Ghost. He said, this guy, Instagram followers, many. They just love him on Instagram. When he takes the photograph, coming out of his house in the morning, you know, psh, psh, puts on Instagram. People are like, oh my God, I like it. Look at it. Oh my God, you're killing me. All that. Just like... You know, people just love this guy. You know, <laughs> on Instagram. You know, then the Bible says, you know, he conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and Abiathar the priest. Ah, Abiathar the priest. Abiathar the priest was the guy in First Samuel chapter thirty that gave the effort to David and told David pursue, overtake, and recover all. His word came to pass. So Adonijah went to lobby the same Abiathar. Then Joab here is the head of the army. 
if you get the head of the army and you get the head of the religious body you think you are in, you are, you are, you are in it who is going to stop you now who is going to stop you now friends let me say this to you there is no man of god on earth or woman of god on earth nobody can ordain who god has not ordained nobody can put you in an office that god has not put you in no matter how powerful you think they are can i speak some truth this morning to somebody oh i even went to a place oh bishop so and so spoke over me oh i went to a place general basia so and so sets a word over me it doesn't change anything if god has not said a word if god has not said you know pastor the boy i like the way he says it. he said if you have lobbied yourself to be ordained and all was put on you and god has not ordained you he said just go and clean your head because it's ordinary oil on your head it's ordinary oil it's ordinary oil today today i'm not talking of something somebody told me somewhere i'm telling you what i know today people bribe to get ordained can you imagine people give money bribe money to pastors to put their name on a list so that they can be ordained my church how can that person let's speak some truth to each other today why because you like the idea of i'm a pastor uh, two people are running in front of you pastor 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 yes sir yes sir Shh. open the door yes sir yes sir, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> you don't even know the job of a pastor you don't know you don't, you don't know nothing you don't know the the sound you'll be hearing by your window at night <laughs> you don't know anything <laughs> you don't know anything uh, the job of a pastor carrying the body you carry david said who was the pastor also david a shepherd he said i was keeping my father's sheep that's the principle of pastoring they're not your own sheep they're your father's sheep he said and a lion came to take one of the sheep but because i'm keeping it i said i have to go after it i went after the lion i took the sheep which was okay i didn't have the lion to say okay i missed this and go back he said the lion turned against me 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 not my father that owned the sheep me he said but <laughs> so what will you do when you go and lay hands on somebody like it happened in one of our churches in america one man was preaching one pastor was preaching there shoot come around now preaching preaching he was doing a service special service preaching preaching then he said somebody said true life story happened in america he said true he said somebody somebody he said you come here so he said, what's wrong with you the man said ah, my whole body i don't know it's always itching me he said Poof! lay hands on lay hands on the man five minutes five minutes later true life story he kept on preaching <laughs> so please open your bible to the book of he had to leave that service he was eating his body. The devil that was making that man eat jumped on him. <laughs> That's what God said. Don't lay hands on anybody in the hurry. There's something that could come to you when they say, Pastor, please, my brother, just hold it. <laughs> Let me find out from God first. What I say? He said, Pastor, I said, wait. He <laughs> said, everything we lay hands on. Jesus, please. There's no way your hand can already please touch your child. <laughs> please, Jesus, please your hand, place your hands on your child. Go on, keep me. <laughs> oh, Lord. 
I'm having too much fun here. Let me preach. Let me preach. Let's look at the NLT. He was boasting, I will make myself king. Now, this is what I want to show you here. Joab and Abiathar the priest, he took them into confidence. And they agreed to help him become king. Friends, please don't be deceived by the support of people you think you have. It does not make a vision come to pass. What have killed the American church is that they have automatically thought that the support of people equals the support of God. It's not so. It's not always so. You know, we have this thing that we say in philosophy. You know, come and say, the voice of the people is the voice of God. Lie. Lie from hell. Not true. Not true. Most of the time, the voice of the people is the voice of the devil. Someone say, ah, prove it in scripture. Crucify him. Crucify him. Was that not the voice of the people? But what did the Bible say? Had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You know, they were the forces of darkness that steered the people up to say, crucify him, crucify him. And the Bible says the voice of the people prevailed. Voice of people is not always the voice of God. It was the voice of the people that said, let's bring, let's bring the, 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 let's make the golden calf. So let me show you then, as we move on quickly, how Adonijah ended. So you can understand the danger of just running with something on your own without checking God. These are deeper things of, 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 of scripture. You know, we go for all this master class, we go for all these motivational seminars, you can do it. Anybody can do it. If anybody can do it, you can do it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not knocking anybody. I preach it myself. You should have heard me when I first started out. There's nothing I did not preach. <laughs> you can do it. Write the vision. Put it down. Nobody has two heads. If, you, if anybody can do it, you can do it. Well, to a level, it is true, but it's also not true. You can't do everything everybody does. You can only do what God has wired you and ordained you to do. Okay, now. You can do it. You can do it. If you dream it, if you can dream it, you can do it. So, I dream of going to the Olympics, Winter Olympics, and doing ski jumping. Can't you see that that's my end? You know, you know how you, you know you know you look at these things on TV, the slope and somebody falls. You say, well, why is he falling? He didn't need practice. Hey, <laughs> you know you see these people jumping and moving and jumping, and they jump on the slope and they hang in the air for what looks like eternity, and they land, then they don't fall, and they just glide and glide and glide, and you're like, wow, oh, it's five seconds late. Ah, that he made it is a lot. If you if if you know if you do that and you jump. You know, it, it could be the end of somebody's life. Look at this man I used to like. I liked the man a lot when he was still racing. Michael Schumacher, Formula One. I love him a lot. He did Formula One. He raced race and raced and had a few accidents in his lifetime doing Formula One. He did not die. Nothing happened to him. Then he went, he went on ski. Holiday. He went on ski. And skied and he had an accident. And he got into coma. He did not talk. Could not move. Eventually, the hospital, because he has a lot of money and because of his name, they packaged him and took him home. Basically, created an ICU for him in his own house. You will not have an accident. Yeah. How did that end? 
it's a long story. It's from verse 39 all the way to 50. So I will not, uh, but go, go back home and read it. But what really happened here that I want to show you was that when all this was happening, okay, and there's a very deeper meaning to all of this, David did not panic. After Adonijah had honored the whole nation, David did not panic at all. David just called his prophet that was still around, Zadok, the priest, and told him, take the flask of oil from the sacred tent. Anoint Solomon with oil. That's all. He said, Adonijah has an organization. He's registered a company. He's put everything in place. He has Joab. He has Abiata, the priest. He, all these people have helped him. People are already singing, long live the king. He said, don't worry about it. He has everything that the most important thing he doesn't have. Can I speak to you, somebody? He has everything, but the most important thing he doesn't have. The most important thing in this story that makes you a king is the anointing. He said, he has everything. Adonijah has everything. Handsome, Instagram page, Instagram followers, everything, social media, very popular, everything. He said, but the anointing, anointing is not there. So he said, what I want you to do is take Solomon. Don't start with organization. Start with anointing. Take Solomon. Anoint him with oil. Then when you're anointing with oil, sound the ram horn. Let the people shout. Long live Solomon. Even if it's three people with him, you'll see what will happen. So let's take the story from there. So they shouted, and all the people followed Solomon into Jerusalem, playing the flutes, shouting for joy. The celebration was so joyous and noisy that the earth, the earth, physical earth, responded to that anointing by shaking. The earth responded. I pray for somebody here. May this earth cooperate with the destiny. May this earth yield its fruits to you. The earth respects the anointing. This earth respects the anointing. Power is going to be released there tonight. You just watch it. The earth shook. So Adonijah and his guests, where they were, far off where they were, they heard the shout. As they were finishing their own banquet, they heard. Can I speak to you on the prophetic level? There are some people today that are vastis sitting on chairs that they have no right to sit on, but they were sitting on it because you were not ready. God allowed them to be able to sit on it until you were ready. Somebody say, I'm ready. I'm ready. The realm of the Spirit needs to hear you. Come on, say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I didn't hear you. Please say it with me, I'm ready. I'm ready. Oh, please, one more time. Please say it with me, I'm ready. I'm ready. There are seats that God allowed vastness to sit on because you're not ready. But once you are ready and the anointing comes upon you, suddenly, you see what begins to happen now. The Bible says they heard the sound. And the shouting, Job heard the sound. And Job said, what's going on? Why is the city in such an uproar? While he was speaking, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar, the priest, arrived. Come in, Adonijah said to him, you're a good man, you always bring good news. Adonijah said, not today, not at all. Jonathan replied, our Lord King David has just declared Solomon king. There's no problem with that. I've also been declared king, so what's the problem? It's king versus king. 
Then he now goes on and said, The king sent him to Gihon Spring with Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Bernard John of Zadok, protected by the king's bodyguard. They had him ride on the king's own mule. Zadok and Nathan have now anointed him. He's going for that interview. Yes, you are qualified, it's qualified, but it's not qualification against qualification. It is qualification amplified by anointing against qualification. So we're not on the same level. Someone said we're not on the same level. Oh, say it like you believe we're not on the same level. You're not on the same level. You're carrying the anointing. Christ is in you, the anointed one. You're carrying the anointing. When you go for your interview next week, don't go there and stand there. They ask you questions. Say, well, uh, so your dad or your mom ask you, or people around you ask you, oh, how did the interview go? So, well, you know, there are seven of us. They say they're still doing for, looking for a second interview. There are not seven of you. There are six people that don't know him and one person carrying the anointing. I'll speak to you. Come on, speak to me now. There's one person carrying the anointing to that interview. When you wake up in the morning, after you worship, Father, I give you honor, I give you praise. I go now, I carry the anointing. I'm carrying the anointing. No word of mine will be refused. As I speak, they will say they've never had things like this before. Luke 4, 22. They will marvel at the gracious words that come out of my mouth. Are you hearing me, somebody? Was anointed. Then they just return and the whole city celebrating. And just, that's what the noise is about. So Solomon is now sitting on the royal throne as king. So the Bible says, this is what the people came you know, to, to praise David, to talk to David about, to thank God for David. This is where I want to take you to. Adonijah's guest. Remember, these were the people that were hailing Adonijah before. What did they do now? They jumped up in panic. See, that's what the anointing does. They jumped up in panic. Jumped up in panic. And they <laughs> jumped up in panic from the back of the boat. And they were quickly what? Oh, please speak to me. Human beings are wonderful. But human beings are wonderful. They quickly scattered. Quickly scattered. Quickly scattered. Why? Because, can I show you some deeper things? Any, listen to me, anybody that will love you enough to help you but has not been attracted to you by the anointing of God on your life, that relationship is shaky. That relationship is subject to variation. Can I repeat that statement? Whoever is around your life right now today that you think they're supporting me, they're helping me, but they've not come into your life as a result of God's blessing on your life, that relationship is shaking. That relationship is shaking. I don't have, I'm going to open that up maybe sometimes next week. That relationship is shaking. John chapter 1 verse 6 tells us that a man was sent by God to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ did not just take any relationship in his life. He took the ones that came from God. A man was sent by God. A man was sent by God. The people scattered. People that God has not put in your life in the day of crisis, they scatter. They move away. When things don't go well, they move away. When you lose your job, you can't find them. When you lose a relationship, you can't find them. When you have a miscarriage, you can't find them. You lose a loved one, where are they? People 
that's why they take offense. Don't take offense because they take offense. Just understand. Maybe they're not called into your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You're just not called into your life. It's as simple as that. There's, no, there's nothing to take offense about. They're called into the life of other people. You are called also into the life of other people. What did Adonijah do? Adonijah was afraid of Solomon. He rushed to the sacred tent, grabbed on the horns of the altar. <laughs> you know, Adonijah is ending with what he should have started with. He should have started with, if it was a true vision, and I will show you in a few minutes, he should have started from the altar. Now he's running to the altar. Oh Lord God, oh God, have mercy. In this story now, he's crying to, out to God so that God, so that Solomon will not kill him. But you know Solomon, he's a very wise man. Solomon said, tell him to go to his house and live reasonably. If he lives very well and everything, then he keeps his life. If he misbehaves, as the Lord lives, that's what they used to say in those days. They put God's name in it. So as the Lord lives, his head will not remain on his neck. You know, and of, unfortunately for Adonijah, that craftiness was still in him. And he still went to show some craftiness by coming through the mother of Solomon. And the mother of Solomon went to Solomon. I was doing sentiments and said, Oh, Solomon, you know, I'm the queen's mother. You will not refuse me, right? Right? If whatever I ask you, you will agree, right? Right? Solomon said, oh, Of course, now you're my mom. Now I know what you do. Ah, you, the pain you went through to bring me to this point, I understand. So, right? Right? So, so there's this girl called. Abishag. Solomon said, oh yeah, 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 I remember her. He said, um, and it's just a small thing, but your brother um, Adonijah says, you know, he wants just Abishag. Um, Solomon, because he has the wisdom of God, he could see, he could penetrate, he could see. And my wife and I, we call this the Abishag strategy. When somebody asks for something, but what they ask for is not what they are asking for. Is the Abishak strategy. Ask for that. <laughs> this is, this, if you're in ministry, please understand that. If you're in business, understand that. People ask for something, it's not what they are really asking for. What they're really asking for is what you're sitting on. Sometimes somebody says, Oh, I just want to help around, I just want to see whatever area I can do something. Lie. Lie. Abishak. Solomon said, ah, Queen Mother, don't worry, step out now. Solomon said, as the Lord lives, he has asked this request today against his life. If he goes to bed tonight as a living person, then God did not put me on this throne. You know, in those days, I like it. The, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what, I mean, what I mean to say, in those days, it was kind of like funny. <laughs> but inside my heart, I like it. You know, there were some people around Solomon. Someone did not even give them another. So someone just said, they just moved straight away. They grabbed Adonijah where Adonijah was. You know, the next thing, Adonijah was, he met his maker. You know? That's how he ended. Please understand. I pray for you today, you will not end the way Adonijah ended. You will not pursue what will terminate your life. You will not pursue what will destroy your life. You will not pursue what will diminish your life. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray for you, the spirit of error will not move you into error in Jesus' name. 
every any area of your life or your children where the spirit of error is whispering to them i bind that spirit in jesus name you will not fall into error in jesus mighty name let's take a quick look at true vision because this is who you are 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 what is true vision an inspired idea a thought you know some people say vision people might think oh god spoke to me you know no listen an idea idea simple idea a thought or it could be a plan but the most important listen carefully is that it will not jeopardize your spirituality anything that you call a breakthrough listen carefully anything you call a breakthrough that weakens your relationship with god is not from god god will never give you anything that will take you away from him god gives things to people after he has called them to himself mark chapter 3 let's start from verse 12 put it on the screen there mark 3 verse 12 let's start the verse 13 mark 3 verse 13 move on he went to the mountain and called to him called to himself those he wanted and they came to him that's the first thing verse 13 then verse 14 he now appointed them to send them out to preach the first thing was not the appointment the first thing was not the assignment the first thing was verse 13 he called them to himself god never never puts assignment in the hand of a man or a woman that does not prioritize a relationship with god so you're looking for serious promotion you're looking for massive breakthrough you're looking for great things to do okay in your business in your careers in family in different areas in ministry please remember if whatever you're doing is weakening your time spent with god your relationship with god check it the reason why god does this this way is very rational and very logical they if anything you are doing satan as a christian satan wants to attack your greatest defense is your connectivity with god not your ability your defense ability is good but your defense is not your ability your defense is your what connectivity with god so satan satan knows that so if he pulls you away pulls you away pulls you away from god pulls you away from god you might think how oh, i'm having breakthrough i just even got another letter promotion yesterday and all this thing they will say and everything i just got another event two weeks ago my boss is even talking about sending me to hong kong they're sending me now to london i'm going to be the one in charge of their business here i know they promoted me now i'm in very 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 serious management i left senior management i'm in very 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 serious management okay praise god praise god and now you don't have time for bible study anymore you don't have time for prayer your wife says let's pray you say you know, honey, I'm tired. I just came from a management meeting. Honey, I'm tired. You don't know more prayer, no more Bible study. Watch it. You're only months away from tragedy. Someone say, Oh, Pastor, why will you say something like that, Pastor? You should just love people. Okay. Job chapter 5, verse 3. Job chapter 5, verse 3. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cause his dwelling place. It doesn't make sense, right? Okay, New Living Translation. It will make sense now. Just keep watching. New Living Translation. I've seen that fools may be successful for a moment, but then comes sudden disaster. So, you see that is the scripture. 
They might look successful for a moment, then sudden disaster. And it's that sudden disaster that we're preaching against now. Don't let anything take you away from God. Spirituality, you don't put it ahead of profitability. The end never justifies the means. The means and the end are the same. I'm telling you what I practice. In the year 2000, when I started out pastoring, a very, very, very senior man of God has been in ministry for about 10 years, told me. I was working with him, you know, saw him and I was trying to serve him. And I was taking a walk with him when he told me, here, Mr. Saga. He said, you know, have you checked other churches? I said, oh, yeah. He said, you know, maybe you should send some. We were ch- our surprise was, what, seven adults, few children. He said, maybe you and some people, you should send, go to some churches and put flyers on the cars of the people there. And, you know, just let them know the programs they do and invite them to come to your church. I said, go to other churches. He said, yes. That was the last, that, every respect I had for that man disappeared completely. I'm telling you. I lost every ounce of respect for him. Because this is a man that mistakes God's kingdom for his own personal ambition. You don't do that. God sent us to evangelize the world, not to evangelize another church. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 11. We don't evangelize another church. Go ye into the world, is what Jesus said. And Jesus is smarter than any man of God. Not going into another church. Proverbs 13, verse 11. After I said no to the man, God now showed me this scripture later on. Wealth gained by dishonesty. What will happen to it? Diminished. But he will get us by labor. So God said to me, gather by labor. What? Labor in what? Labor in the world. Whatever you gather by labor, favor will keep for you. So I said to myself, I started studying the word of God to build myself up for whatever God will give me and allow me to be able to, remember many people will be able to say, if it's 50 people, I'm fine with it. If it's 20 people, if it's 5 people, but I will know that these 5 people, 5 people is the level God has taken me to. Not that I will go to another church. I've done this thing for about 22 years old. I have never in one day, there's nobody that has ever come to my ministry that can say, I went to another church, I went to another ministry, and told him to come. Never. I would never do it. I've never done that. I would never do it in 22 years. Because it is not right. It's not the work of God. Can I hear an amen? amen? So don't take a lot of people's business. Don't steal a lot of people's business. Don't do things like that. Don't say the end justifies the means. Don't say this is the way we are. Don't do it. Because we preach about buying real estate does not mean be crooked in buying it. Don't do that. Don't be crooked. If you're not working, you're not working. Don't tell the broker to cook papers together for you and tell you they're working and you earn this amount of money. You say, well, they believe what, they, what does the bank know? Don't, the bank don't know, but God knows. You're a Christian. All the houses, anyway, one day you will leave it here and go and stand before your maker. What will you tell him at that time? It doesn't end there. It doesn't end there. Amen. My full name is Akimwale Tolua Lokwe Adurakwemi Michael Akinshiko. Now listen to me. Don't buy one house with Akimwale Akinshiko. Another house with Wale Akinshiko. Another one with Michael Akinshiko. Another one with Tolu Akinshiko. 
Then another one will tell you, and you are the same woman being. Don't do all this shenanigans. I say, ah, well, you know, man, in this country, that's how we survive. No, no, no. Those are shenanigans. You are a Christian. Your most important testimony is not what you have. It's who you are. That's your most important testimony. Who you are. Not what you have. Not what you own. Who you are. Who you are. Your integrity. That's your most important testimony. Can I hear an amen from somebody? Yeah. You know, when I sleep in my house, when I sleep in my house, I sleep in my house. So what's 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 Oh, that there's a somebody pressing the bell. I say, Go and check the person. Who's pressing the bell? Pressing the bell. This is my house. Every stone, every grain of sand, everything in this place. It's true. I didn't steal. I didn't cook any books. I didn't doctor any paper. I didn't do anything. I got it by God giving it to me on the platform of labor. It's my house. I can sleep well. If the phone rings, if I don't want to pick it, I don't pick it. I owe nobody anything. I don't pick it. If I pick it, I pick it. Yes? Uh-huh. Hello? Somebody say, are you always fighting, Pastor? True vision. True vision. Hallelujah. Okay, maybe the next the part of this sermon I'll be clergy. Shall I just be clergy? All right, friends, let's look at true vision, right? A pursuit that is constantly driven by desire to please God and obey His word. Let's conclude today by talking about characteristics of true vision. Are you ready? First one, vision inspires. That's the first one. Vision inspires you to pray. It inspires prayer. There is nothing called a visionary without being a prayerful person. I'm talking of vision as it applies to children of God. Remember I told you, I'm not talking of vision as it applies to people that are unbelievers. That's a completely different teaching. I've taught on that in time past. That's a completely different teaching. Vision as it applies to people that are in the kingdom of God. The first thing the vision does is to show you your inadequacy. When God gives you an idea, God gives you a thought, God gives you a plan, the first thing he shows you, he reveals to you your inadequacy. Okay? That, that's the first revelation. Moses said to God, put it on the screen, Exodus 3 verse 8, Exodus 3 verse 8, God said, I've seen the affliction and the sorrows of my people and all of that. God said, from verse 7, 7, let's take it from 7, quickly, quickly. The Lord said, I've surely seen the oppression of my people and who are in Egypt and I've heard their cry because of the taskmasters and I know their sorrows. Okay, if you have seen all of that, well, that's fine. So what do you want to do about it? Verse 8, God said, so I've come down to deliver them. Now listen to this now. I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians to bring them up from that land to a good, um, good land and flowing with me and all of that. All right. Thank you for letting me know, Lord. So why don't you go? Keep on going, verse 10. Come now then. God said to Moses, I will send you to Pharaoh. <laughs> that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out. You see the way God speaks now. God said, I'm the one going. Then God said, I want you to go. That's really what, in essence, true vision is. God is actually the one walking, but he's walking through you. That's why you can't feel. Can I hear an amen? Yeah. 
this does not apply to ministry. It applies to every Christian. Whatever you're doing. Keep going, please. Keep going. Moses said to God, that's the first thing. Moses said to God, who am I? That's the first thing that true vision does to you. Me, of all people, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. You know, listen to me. I'm going to be very honest with you. Normally speaking, the last person you should choose to pastor people is somebody with my temperament and personality. My personality, as defined by people that study this stuff, they call it choleric. Now, people that are choleric, that have choleric personality, they call me choleric. Can you imagine? I have friends that are choleric, and they say, ah, PW is choleric, yeah. Now, that is the last personality you need for somebody that will be a pastor of a church. You need that person maybe to be a general in an army, to lead an infantry, to lead the Navy SEALs or something, something like that. Not pastor people. So when God is calling me to this, I'm saying to God, I'm sure there's a mistake somewhere. Because there must definitely be another person that you want to send because it cannot be me. I don't have this, I don't, you know, I don't have this patience. I don't have this personality. I don't like, I like things to be. Can, we, can, I, can I talk to you? But God insisted. When God insisted, I also insisted because I'm choleric. I also insisted that, okay, I'm not doing it. I'm going to do it a few days and I'm going to go move on to something else. I will, so it wouldn't be like I didn't obey you. This is true. This is true. This is true. So I did it a little bit. And I took back my pharmacy. I'm pharmacist. Lord, you cannot say I didn't love you. I've, I've done some things. Let me go and practice my pharmacy now. And that's when I really know that God is the Almighty. He put his finger. And all the doors shut. Then I have to come to the realization. Even my wife said to me, she said, when are you now going to finally agree that you cannot win against God and put this, your pharmacy on the altar as a sacrifice? In that way, it has the potential to bring a harvest. But if God takes it and you didn't sow it, then it will not bring a harvest. It's only what is sown that can yield a harvest. Yes, so don't let God take it, sow it. So, you know, I understand what Psalm 126 says. Those that go bearing precious seed. Carried it. Everything. My pharmacy documents, certificates, licenses, everything. Placed it on the altar. Stood there. Like I was dumb. Didn't want to say anything. God, you can see my heart. I'm not happy. Not at all. Not happy at all. But anyway, I'm sowing it. But I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy because pastoring is tough. Very tough. Pastoring predominantly Nigerians is impossible. Are you hearing me now? You can't do it. It's not possible for a human being to do it. <laughs> because 
when they're going, they say, I'm coming. <laughs> That's what they say. I'm, I'm coming. And they're going. You need a specialized equipment to interpret what they're saying. Because half of the time, what they're saying is not what they're saying. You know it's true. When you were young and your mother was leaving the house, she told you, if you like, before I come, don't do your homework. Don't do it. Be playing with your friends. So then you go. She goes. And when she comes back, true and true, as from a young age, you've interpreted what your mom was saying. You knew what she meant is that it's very dangerous for you to be playing. But fast forward, one of my daughters in the house here, she did the same thing to her son. She told the son, she was going out in Canada here. He said to the son, if you like, be watching TV. I went out. True life story. <laughs> By the time she, come, she came back, the boy was sitting in front of the TV. She the, TV. <laughs> the boy said, hey, what are you doing? What are you doing? He said, Momo, you say if I like. <laughs> and I, li I like to watch TV. <laughs> the boy couldn't understand the mom. The mom said, no, that's not. Oh, you can't understand it. But you know, in Africa, in Nigeria, I grew up in Nigeria, they didn't, know, they didn't teach us this. We just knew it. That what your mom is actually saying, the one is worse is your dad. What your dad is actually saying that if you see TV, just don't see it. So I didn't want to do it. Your sense, first thing, Lord, I can't do this. Then that pushes you to start praying. Look quickly, look at Abraham. Genesis 14, 13, 14 to 18. What did Abraham do? God told him in verse 15. Verse 14. Said to Abraham, Abraham, lift up your eyes and look. That's vision. Lift up your eyes and look. Northward, southward, eastward, and westward. For all the land which you see, that's vision, I will give you to you and to your descendants forever. Okay? We're going to look at this again next week. Then God spoke to him then. And what did Abraham do then? Then the Bible says, Abraham, first thing. Someone say first thing. He built an altar. First thing, he built an altar. That's prayer. First thing, he built an altar. That's prayer. That thing will push you to pray. That thing you said you have in your heart, you want to be a big estate in this country, you want to be a CEO of a major organization in this country, that thing you have in your heart should push you to pray. That's the first thing. Pray. Pray. Somebody say pray. Pray. So next week, I'm going to be sharing a vision with you on the 6th of March. A vision for the next 10 years for House of Praise. That's right. I'm going to share with you on the 6th of March. I'm very excited about it. Very, very excited about it. But first, next week, I'm going to announce prayer. And the junior brother of prayer. The twin brother of prayer. I'm going to announce next week. Is that all right? Of course it's all right. Thank you, Jesus. Uh -huh. <laughs> True vision inspires hope about the future. Hope. Hope about the future. When you see somebody that is hopeless, not, trans, not transiently, no, not, not, not temporarily, not transiently, not somebody that's just hopeless you know, for a while, maybe you're just beating down for a, for a few days, a few weeks. No. I'm talking about someone that's perpetually suffering from hopelessness. It is because there's no vision. There's no vision. Because true vision inspires hope in you about the future. No matter how down you are today, you know that tomorrow will be better. 
I said, tomorrow will be better. Yeah. Say to the righteous, it shall be well with him. Yeah. I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil. To give you a future and a hope, they come together. Future and hope, they come together. Future and hope. Future and hope. That is why when somebody is behind enemy lines, like that movie does, like in that movie, the first thing you do is to give them hope. When they start saying their last words, you know, you know, in the movie, I know I watch a lot of military movies, you know, when they cut off the dog chain and say, well, you know, give this to my wife. Tell her I fought very hard. You know, and their friends is telling them, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Jimmy, 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 don't do that, don't do that. Jimmy, Jimmy, and they call them. Jimmy is gone. And the friend closes their eyes. I've watched too many military movies though. And just close their eyes. And they take that. Then later on, the next scene, you see them in America. They go to the house, talk to the widow, and said, he fought very hard. And called the son, young son, and said, your father wanted me to give you this. And put that, you know, in their hand. What you do when someone is behind enemy lines is to give them hope. Maybe they're behind enemy lines, they're sick. That's behind enemy lines. Give them hope. They're down, give them hope. They're in debt, give them hope. They've lost an interview, give them hope. They feel they're about to be deported, give them hope. They've had miscarriage, give them hope. They feel all their friends are moving, but they're not moving. Give them hope. 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 It says there's hope and a future. Hope does not disappoint. The hope that the Holy Spirit puts in us as a result of vision, friends, it does not disappoint. And I'm praying for you today, you will not be disappointed. When God gave me the scripture, Psalm 37 verse 37, the living Bible, put it on the screen please, Psalm 37 verse 37, the living Bible. But the good man, what a different story. For the good man, the blameless man, the upright man, the man of peace, he has a wonderful future ahead of him. For with him, there is a happy. So I coined it together. I have a wonderful future with a happy ending. When God gave me this word, friends, everything around me at that particular time looks extremely bleak. It was the darkest moment of my life when God gave me this word. But you see, this word that God gave me, poof, it brought hope alive. For there's hope for a tree. Even when it is cut down, that it shall rise up again. I pray for everybody that is watching online or that is here today that have lost hope in one area or the other. Today, the Holy Spirit, who is the administrator of hope, I pray he infuses hope in you now in Jesus' name. May your hope come alive right now. May your hope come alive right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. May your hope come alive right now. Whatever yoke of hopelessness anybody is carrying in this service today, online or on site, may that yoke of hopelessness be destroyed in Jesus' mighty name. Receive fresh input of hope in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.
This is so important because faith cannot work without hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It can't work without hope. Satan comes to steal our hope. Let me wrap up. So vision inspires hope. Finally for today, vision inspires discipline about your future. Discipline. You are disciplined. You are disciplined. Vision makes you disciplined. <laughs> I'm going to step down there a few minutes. And some of you are going to be upset with me about what I'm about to say right now. But please don't be upset. It's just a joke. Okay. I mean, it happened, but it's just a joke. You know, when we're in the university, <laughs> when we're in the university, you know, we used to stay in the, in the residency hall. You will see some people. They just, you know, maybe my room when I was in the university, my in, in years I stayed in university. In one of those years, my room was the center of political discussions. People come came from every room, every block came to center in our room. Not because of me, but we had some people in our room. It was like their major was discussion. They came to school to, to get BA discussion. Just discussion, discussion. And you know, as a teenager, when they discuss all these things, you know, because a lot of them, I don't even, as a teenagers, you know, I don't even really understand what they were saying. They will be discussing, you know, KGB, CIA, all this. They discussing Ameri American presidents, you know, Roosevelt, and all this. They discuss all these people. I'm thinking, how are you, true man? So I'm just looking at them. You know, these are people that are third year, fourth year in the faculty of law and humanities and all of that. Then they will be discussing philosophy. You know, discussing all of these things. I, that's, I started knowing some names of philosophers. You know, discussing all this wonderful thing. When it's, I was just looking at them. After about two, three hours, I'm still there looking. Huh? Look at this one. Look at this one. Then you go for pharmacy exam, pharmacy test. Then you're not doing well. Then suddenly one day, I had an encounter. It occurred to me that if I continue with BA discussion, I won't get B farm because they're not compatible. So after a while, when I stand there, after 10 minutes, I said to myself, these people are not going anywhere. They're not going anywhere. So I said, I carry my book. I'll be seeing you. I'm on my way to class. I go to class. I come back from class. They're still arguing about Ari Truman. <laughs> They're still arguing. I'm telling you, these people are still talking about all this stuff. Now, don't get angry now. Don't get angry. When you find out, please, what are you studying? This one was a history. What are you, what are you studying? Dimension uh, sociology. You, what are you studying? Uh, something, something. You won't find people there that are studying things that make your brain cells come out. You know, you can, there's, a, there's a way you can read. You will be bleeding in your brain. <laughs> there's some books like that. You see all these people, and I'm not, don't get me wrong, I'm not locking them. You know, these people that we, when we were in university, we used to be so arrogant. When we talk, they're the people that are leading us. No, but it's true. When I got into Smith Climbicham, so cocky and so arrogant, as a 22-year-old, ah, Francis, what, what do all these people know? Ah, we're here now. Tell me what's up. My, the vice president for Africa and Middle East in Smith Lambridge and then, Tom Barnett, he studied history. I was very upset. <laughs> I was very upset. I didn't, I didn't say the CEO of Smith Lambridge and 
Nigeria. I said, Vice President, Africa and Middle East at that time. This guy was saying he studied history. I said, how? With all the suffering, why did I go to suffer? Because in my own class, there are, once you first get to the class, the lecturer tells you, A is for God. Like God is going to write an exam. B plus, don't even, don't even think about it. You can't get it. B is for the lecturer. Every writing, you can start scrambling. And this, these things were tough. Tough. I, you know, I came back one day, my head was buzzing, like a high-tension wire. After my year two pharmacy exam, for weeks, if you are put in a voltmeter on me, high tension, I'd read so much, the cells in my brain had multiplied at a dangerous level. Even when I look at people, like I was seeing chemical structures. <laughs> it was that bad. It was that bad. I just look at you and say this one, benzene. <laughs> and you look like benzene, actually. Benzene. <laughs> Benzene. I said, ah, that man, benzene. Do you understand? But all these things don't matter. But what you should do now is that you are pursuing a vision. Don't hang out with people that will distract you. People that are not going where you're going, they're the ones that eat what you're not, what you're not, what you're not supposed to eat. Let me show you a scripture. Then we're going to close. Can you give me 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 41? 1 Kings 18, 41. Are you blessed today? Yes, All right. Now, I want to look at this now. Elisha said to Ahab, Elisha said to Ahab, go up. What should he do? Eat and drink. I can perceive the vision of rain. I don't want to be hanging around with you because I know what you want to do is eat and drink. So go ahead. Be eating and be drinking. The people that want to be eating and drinking when we are fasting, tell them to go ahead and eat and drink. So what about Elijah? What are you going to do? Verse 42. Ahab went up. You see the man? To eat and to drink. Even when they told you, you have not seen rain in your life, in your land, for three and a half years. And somebody said, I can hear the sound of abundance rain. Shouldn't you stand by them? But he went and eating and drinking. And Elijah went up to the top of the Mount Camel. And what did he do? Bow down. You see again, prayer. He said, pray. So please, people that will not pray, don't hang out with them. You are carrying a vision. You want to go to medical school. You finished Life sciences, health sciences, psychology, neurology, um, kinesiology. You studied, you want to go to med school. So you consider that to be your pre-med. You finish. Now for one, two years, now you've done your MCAT, you failed the exam. And someone's telling you, relax, get a job. And kinesiology, what's the big deal, man? Just relax, medical school. It's not everybody will be a doctor. And so and you two, you're eating and drinking. You say, no! There's a medical doctor inside me. You break out the medical doctor inside you. Discipline yourself. Fast. Pray. Read the word. Do what you have to do. Discipline yourself. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You break out the medical doctor inside you. The medical doctor is there. It's inside you. You bring it out. You don't continue joining people that are eating and drinking. So, so, but, no, but, but this guy was in your class. You know, kinesiology. Look at it. He's got a fantastic job. Look at what he's doing right now. You just keep on saying you want to do this medicine. And look at it. You've done the MCAT first time. Second time, it's not working. How many times did Elijah pray? Seven times. 
Sometimes. Every Christian has the permission of God to try something for at least three years. Then with the extra permission of God, four years. Jesus Christ said that. He said, I came, the tree did not bear fruit. Three years, the man came, no fruit. Then he said, 40 years, give it an opportunity, manure it, fertilize it. Let's see if it will bear fruit. Every Christian has an opportunity. After four years, you can ask God, do I have permission to exit this particular strategy? Do you hear what I'm saying? Yeah. Don't eat and drink. Let's speak to our teenagers. Don't just eat and don't break the fast and join it together. Are you hearing me? No, speak to me. Are you hearing me? Uh-huh. Don't eat and drink. Don't hang out with people that are going nowhere. Paul the apostle says, I run. That's vision. I run, not with uncertainty. Then he goes on to say, I discipline my body. I discipline my body. My English teacher when I was in school used to tell me, early to bed. Ah, so your English teacher told you that too. Early to bed, early to write. Discipline yourself. Don't say, ah, Beijing Olympics. Ah, you know, I like the best sport is coming up now at 2 a.m. My sport is coming up at 2 a.m. And you see that at 2 a.m. You're watching and watching and they take the gold medal. They're not going to put it on your neck. You put it on the neck of somebody else. It's a cold medal. Cold medal. I said, ah, we won. <laughs> Friends, can I say something to you? Everything in that old arena is called entertainment. You know what it means? It means people that have worked, that now want to relax, are the ones permitted to watch. <laughs> it didn't mean that you should use it to replace your work. People that have worked hard, that now want to relax, yeah, you can switch on. You are not qualified to be watching these things though, until you work. Until you work. You work. Someone said, oh, but pastor, my teacher also told me that all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Okay, number one, you're not Jack. <laughs> and number two, that statement says all work. So it starts with work. Uh-huh. So a lot of work will not make Jack a dull boy. It is all work that makes me a double. So work. Work hard. Work very hard. Thank God we can record things now. Can't we record things now? Eh? We can record things. I thank God for we can record it. Just record it. Record it. Record it. Later on when you have time, come and watch it. I mean, what's your problem? You want to watch people sliding down on the snow hill? Fantastic. Oh, Super Bowl is coming up this afternoon. Fantastic. Watch it. But if you have something to do that has to do with your destiny, please, your own Super Bowl is your destiny. That's your own Super Bowl. That's your own Super Bowl. If you feel the... Oh, you have an interview tomorrow for something that you've been looking forward to for this month. God has not given me an opening for an interview tomorrow. Don't sit down with Super Bowl and say, look at him. Look at him. Touch down. Oh, God, look at this guy. He can't even run. These guys are earning millions of dollars. You are in your own small little room complaining. Somebody in my heart asked me, he said, so are you going to watch the Bible today? I said, it depends. Oh. It depends. If I finish my work properly and I'm happy with the work I've done, I watch it. And the way I'm, I'm right now, I don't think I'm going to watch it. If I'm happy with the work I've done, then I watch it. If I'm not happy with the work I've done, then I'm not watching it. I'll go back again into my study. So, so when are you going to relax? 
There's a time to relax forever. Relax. Nobody is going to disturb you. No taxes. <laughs> Nobody is going to tax. My wife is not going to ask for my credit card. I like that. I can properly rest. That's what they call. It. That's why you know every other time. Where's Osaka? Osaka is going to rest. Where's um, this place? So you went to go on holiday. Went to rest. But at that point, they say rest in peace. It means every other rest is not in peace. People can still disturb you. So, why is Mr. Fosak? So, she's resting upset. Please wake her up. Tell her it's Pastor calling. You see? You see? They disturb the peace. But this one, they tell the person, rest in peace. It means nobody's going to come and disturb you. Anybody that you see there coming to disturb you, except it's not well. <laughs> that time is coming. I'm, I'm young now. I'm just 52. It's time, this is time to walk. Somebody say walk. Yeah. So, you walk now. Discipline yourself. This is left. Don't say, oh, I'm too old. I'm too, I can't fast. I can't pray. At my age now, what should I do? What do you mean at your age? What you should, what you should do is to pursue a vision. At your age, nobody's too old. Moses was 80. Daniel, Daniel was 17. David was 17. Uzziah was 16. You can pursue it. Jesus was 30 when he stood up and announced himself to the world. Can I hear an amen? amen. Now, I'm about to pray for somebody here. Listen to me very carefully. I'm about to pray for somebody here today that will not fail. Amen. I'm about to pray for somebody here today that will not fail. Yeah. I'm about, by the mandate God has given me, pray for somebody here today that will not fail. Yeah. By the mandate God has given me, I'm about to pray for somebody here today that will not fail. Yeah. By the mandate God has given me, I'm about to pray for somebody here today that will not fail. Yeah. You know, one of the things God has blessed us with a lot is that even people that walk just step here and so and so, God bless them. You know, can we appreciate the guy on the Jeep, please? <laughs> really appreciate him. Our friend that was on the, that was on the Jeep before that, a regular guy that was on the Jeep, is in China right now filming the Olympics. He was called to come and do that. Yeah, that's why he's not been here. He's in Beijing. Capturing the Olympics. Have you seen a man that's diligent in his works? He will stand before kings. Not mere men. You hang out with the things of God, somehow God finds a way of lifting you. I'm praying for somebody here today. You will not fail. I am praying for you. By the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you will not fail. This is the end of the message. We are sure that you have been blessed. For more information, please visit our website at www.houseofpraise.ca. God bless you.